0: And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2 C. Well, good afternoon, Luke Smith. Guess what? It's Friday again.
1: It's like I'm here every other day at the moment, <laughs> which I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it's already March. and uh,
0: yeah, yeah, today's the first of March. Summer I- is now officially over, according to the Australian <sighs> Way of Reckoning. Although 31 degrees outside, I yeah. think it, I think we've still got a few more weeks of summer still to go. <laughs>
1: and especially with the Bureau of Meteorology going, oh, we're going to have the wettest, coldest, yuckiest, you know.
0: Uh, Well, no.
1: Never happened. No. So, yeah. No. I think we Oh, we've had some rain.
0: Yeah. You know, but we've had a bit
1: of this and a bit of that. Yeah. Far more than they said we were going to have, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> the driest ever. Uh, well, be. look, don't get me started. <laughs>
0: Look, even that forecast I just read out now is different from what it was uh, an hour ago, Yeah. right? Tomorrow's forecast uh, was mostly well, – sorry, was partly cloudy. Now it's a possible
1: shower. Yeah. They keep changing it. Find me another industry where you can get it wrong that much and still keep your job.
0: <laughs> uh, yesterday, it was, yesterday it was partly cloudy. And then around 4.30 in the afternoon – There was a sudden downpour of rain right here in in Crace. And, oh, look, the forecast has been updated, possible shower. It wasn't there before. (laughs)
1: <laughs> anyway, moving on for a Friday.
0: <laughs> Look, I tell you what, you should not be throwing stones at the Bureau of Meteorology yes. because people who work in finance well, can also be um, prey to making predictions that don't quite work out.
1: True, but how many do you really get as wrong as the weather? Far out. <laughs> <laughs> but still, either yes. way, crystal ball gazing no, is true. a mugs game. It isn't is, it? 100%. And that's really you know part of today's theme is this one is quite relevant Um, given the meetings and the appointments I've had in the last sort of week and two weeks, about how risky is the portfolio that you're holding. And all I want to sort of try and illustrate to people today is risk is a thing of perception, a lot like art. It's in the eye of the beholder. um, And you need to have a general understanding of what you have or what you think you have, because we've seen markets run very, very strongly since sort of October, which is great. Everybody loves that. However, if they were to slow down for whatever reason and you hold more growth or riskier assets than you realise, it could be quite annoying and frustrating to look at your portfolio and go, something's happened, it's bad, but but why have my assets fallen? I'm a conservative investor. Mm. And you actually look at the underlying holdings of your super fund or your portfolio and realise that you have 100% growth assets. But in your eyes, you don't think you're a growth-orientated player. So yeah. I guess understanding what you hold and how you hold it can have a significant impact on the value of your underlying portfolio and your ability to weather good and bad times.
0: I have a theory that the uh, one of the pitfalls of being a self-described conservative investor is that you have a tendency to wait for too long before you buy and it becomes too expensive while you're waiting. Yeah. And then when the price starts to fall, uh, you sell at the wrong time and you take a loss.
1: And I think, look, that's that's a great example of trying to time economic movements or short to medium-term news can be very, very dangerous. You know, we talked tongue and cheek about getting the weather wrong. You could think that Commonwealth Bank is expensive at hundred dollars, and at 115, 116, $117, it's probably the most expensive bank in the world. But could it go to one twenty-five? Yes, it could. Now, if you wait for it to come back to a hundred, you might be out for you know a very long time. And this is where people need to understand that trying to pick those movements and understand what is the bottom or what is the top. If you look at last year's market, we saw movements you know, in the hundreds of points on the index from a high of 7,500 last year to probably 6,700 points, which is, you know, there's a 700 point movement, which is a big number. That's over 10% swing. Now, anything over 10% is technically deemed a correction, but how long is it going to stay corrected for? Mm. You know, And we see these sawtooth movements of up and down, up and down. All I want people to understand is if you're running a very high allocation to growth assets, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's going to be really bad. Mm. And you may not have the tolerance you think you do when the, when the, when the, when the storm comes.
0: For anybody who's curious, I just checked, Commonwealth Bank of Australia closed today at $117.36. Oh. It's uh, it's a very pricey share, isn't
1: it? Uh, well, someone said to me the other day, don't hold me to this, but an analyst I was talking to said it's the most expensive bank in the world. It's on a price-to-earnings multiple now of about 19 times. And
0: 20.5, according okay. to the ASX. There you go, 20.5. Yeah, yeah.
1: To give people an understanding of what a market deems as fair value for that type of investment, 12 to 14 times price to earnings Mm. or a PE ratio is deemed fair value. Yeah. So at 20 times, that thing is wildly expensive. Now, could it go to 125? Yep. Do you want to throw all your powder at something at record levels? Mm, Maybe not. So if you want to buy something like that and manage your risk, buy some. Because if... China does something. Someone does something. Someone writes something. Somebody at CBA does something. You know, falls asleep in Braddon puts their feet on the bench, yep. and they're from CBA. Um, you might see the share price come down. Yep. If that's the case, you might buy a little bit more. Yes. So you've got to be careful to say what is my tolerance to risk, but what is the risk I'm taking on by the underlying investments that I'm buying?
0: And that's an interesting point that you raised there, because when people talk about spreading their risk, they think about spreading their investment over a a range of different shares. But you can also spread your investment over a period of time.
1: True. And you can also spread your investment over a range of sectors. So I think there are three really good ways for people to look at their portfolio. What are the underlying investments I have? Do I have good diversification? do i then have good diversification from a sector perspective in other words do i have some australian shares do i have some international do i have some property do i have some fixed interest do i have some cash do i have some infrastructure i've got lots of slices of the pizza and we've we've all looked at our superfund websites and balances and there's a lovely pie chart with all the different colors on it telling that you've got all these different areas invested which is great but also as you've said which i'm a big advocate of at the current time is Dollar cost average, Yeah, you know, and that just simply means if you're like that CBA example, if you're going to buy $25,000 of CBA, you might buy 10 now, then you might buy 10 a little bit later, then you might top it up with another five over time because Murphy's law says you throw your 25 at 117, something happens, it's at 100 and you go, oh, I wish I could buy more. I just don't have any cash mm-hmm. so dollar cost averaging is a good way to try and mitigate that volatility
0: and just on a side note uh, all this talk of cba this is not a recommendation no it is no. just an example
1: and again i use cba because most people know the the the, the acronym yes and they know who i'm talking about
0: no, so, and yeah. it's one of our biggest businesses uh, yeah. in australia so there and look
1: go. don't get me wrong great banking stock right mm. but Everything. Even better if you bought it some years ago. <laughs> True, but also remember that you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah, because you then become overexposed. Um, and we saw through the banking royal commission when when share prices move significantly because of a specific event, it could put a, a, a dent in the market value of your portfolio and then yeah. influence your comfort in saying to your boss, "Well, I'm going to retire." Well if you've just lost a big lick of money in in your super fund because you've got an overexposure to a particular stock mm-hmm. it might make it harder for you to say well I'm going to retire which is exactly what I saw through covid. Yes. People came in and said I can't retire now because of covid. I'm like you're not going to spend all your money in a year? No. You've got a year's cash. It's going to go away. And it did. And things fell down, great. Everyone got scared. Things came back. Everybody was fine and we carried on. So don't let risk impact your perception of other key decisions that you make by being overexposed to individual sectors.
0: I guess one of the important things to consider is that most of us are looking at our investments uh, inside our superannuation. Mm. And so uh, most of us uh, subscribe to a superannuation fund and they tell us this is a balanced fund, this is mm. a growth fund, this yep. is something else. So. What are they really telling us when they say it's a balanced fund?
1: Well, it depends. (laughs) And I wrote an article for a newspaper when the book dropped because the the financial editor of, of, of the particular newspaper had the same view as me. The labels of these options in some situations are the most misleading things in the financial sector. I'll give you an example. If I run a balanced portfolio... For me, balanced, I think of a seesaw. You and I sit on the seesaw. If it's level, mm-hmm. that's balanced. Half growth, half defensive. Balanced in an industry fund could see you running up to 80% of your portfolio in growth-orientated investments, which include Australian shares, international, infrastructure, property, and then a raft of unlisted sectors that, that the industry funds hold. So. Yeah. The word – I would stress to people, ignore the word balanced. Yeah. What you want to look at and say is what percentage of my investments or the slices of pizza in the picture on the website of your particular fund, you need to add up Australian shares, property, international, and infrastructure. If you're running 70 to 75% in that allocation, that is not a balanced portfolio – It might be labeled balance, but if you're going to compare that to another fund, you need to look at that percentage weighting because one particular industry fund might run 60% growth assets, 40% defensive. You could run a balanced fund at 80% with 20% defensive. So looking at the label is really, really misleading. You need to look at the underlying asset allocation, and that brings me back to stress How much risk are you really taking on because the waiting may be far more than you psychologically tied to the label of your investment option and that's that's really really important
0: and i guess for clarity when we're talking about growth investments what we're saying is investments that are expected to have stronger growth but with that growth comes higher risk and defensive investments are not expected to show quite the same growth. Yes. They are more secure or thought to be more secure. They're expected to deliver a more reliable income. Yes. But uh, they don't have as much risk either, and that's the trade-off that you
1: have. Exactly right. And I think that's where you need to be comfortable with looking at what you had. So I'll give you a real-life example. I had a couple in Melbourne on on the Zoom this week. We're very conservative investors. You know, we don't want to take on any risk and had a seven-figure portfolio – in Australian and international shares, which is 100% growth, mm-hmm. saying we're very conservative investors. Now, we then delve into, well, what does that mean to you? Because it obviously doesn't mean what it means to me. Because that would be mainly like saying I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm three foot six and 15 kilos. You know, we all know that's not the case. <laughs> um, but again, I might see that as what I'm comfortable with. And I find until you've gone through a GFC, till you've gone through a, a COVID, till you've gone through a tech bubble and there's been a significant negative movement, I don't think you truly understand what you can tolerate until there's some sweat on your brow and you need to call somebody for some comfort. So, you know, it's really important that you look and say, what am I holding? Yeah, And more importantly, what is it doing for me? Because all of those sectors that we've just discussed have different return characteristics you're spot on growth orientated will give us some potential for uplift or growth and then the fixed interest side of things is more conservative but if you're overly conservative that is still dangerous and the analogy i use regularly in the office is if you're driving down the road and the speed limit's a hundred if you were going down gung drive you know aka gung raceway <laughs> um
0: well, the speed limit there is 80, not 100. Oh, so I <laughs> thought it was
1: 130 because that's what you've got to do to keep up with traffic. Um, no, not, we're not yeah. when,
0: I, when I'm going down the Gungahlin Drive, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of doing 50, 55 because the people in front of me think that's as fast as they can go.
1: Well, most mornings I'm doing about <laughs> nine because somebody's gone too quick into someone's bumper. Yes. Anyway, if you were doing 40 in a 100 zone, yep. you're going to be late getting where you're going. Yeah. There's a very good chance somebody's going to run into the back of you. Yeah and you're gonna annoy a lot of people. So whilst you can have defensive assets, having too much in that defensive sector is dangerous because as we've just said, defensive assets don't provide capital growth, they don't therefore offset inflation. In a similar vein, if you did 180 in a 100 zone and you hit a tree, there's a very good chance you're not getting out of the car. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a ticket, you can't talk your way out of it. So again, that's dangerous. At the other end of the spectrum, so we need to keep in mind our overall exposure or the speed we're driving relevant to how we feel about the speed limit.
0: Indeed, so we're aiming for balanced, but if the Superfund says it's balanced, we shouldn't necessarily believe them. Correct. Indeed, it's about 10 minutes to five, two double C. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio, back with more in just a moment. It's around about seven minutes to five, it's a Friday afternoon, and that means Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with us in the studio. So today we're talking about how risky is your investment portfolio, really? Because a lot of people aren't really certain exactly how much risk they do or do not have. Uh, Some people might think they have very little risk
1: when, in fact, they have more than they thought. And Mm. sometimes it might be the other way around. Yeah, exactly. And I think the key thing to point out here is having more assets doesn't mean it's less risky. Maybe you look at that and say, from an individual asset perspective, it's less risky. But if you've got 10 green apples... They're all green apples. They're all green apples. Mm. And if the worm likes green apples...
0: <laughs> if they all came out of the same bag...
1: You've, you've got some big They've problems. all got
0: worms in them. <laughs> Correct.
1: So we need an apple, we need a banana, we need a kiwi <laughs> fruit, we need different stuff. So the, the the point of that is know your underlying asset allocation. Balanced is not always balanced. To, to work out what your exposure is, add up Australian shares, property, international and infrastructure. They are generally the four categories that will make up the growth or the more risky part of your super. And if you're holding more than 50%, then you have to accept that you are maintaining what would be truly called a growth portfolio by just about any advisor that is assisting you, which is a separate lens that the industry funds or some industry funds use Mm -hmm. to illustrate what they deem as balanced. Now, it's not that one is right or wrong. We're not saying that. What we're saying is, You need what is right for you and you need to understand what you are holding so you can measure whether it's right or wrong for you. Control your exposure to individual assets. You can have too much of a good thing because if that good thing comes under pressure, it will make a more significant impact on the total value of your assets. Control your income and growth. So know which assets are providing income, know which assets are there for growth because they are not the same thing. Try and limit unlisted assets where you can, because from a liquidity perspective, especially in retirement, if something is unlisted, you cannot sell it quickly, and if it comes under pressure, you may be stuck with it for an extended period of time. Look at each asset and sort of think, why have I got it, and what is it doing for me? Because as I said before, different parts of a portfolio, like a recipe, they have different ingredients and they do different things and you need a suitable blend of income and growth you need to include defensive assets think about some cash and some term deposits so you can diversify each sector and then delve a little deeper into what the underlying holdings are remember if you're moving into retirement you want to be focusing on maintaining a very good yield okay that means you're getting very good income as a percentage of your total portfolio a good well diversified portfolio that produces dividends would be, produ- would be paying 4% plus, including franking credits at the moment, um, if not more. Um, and that's with a sort of 70-30 mix of growth and defensive assets. So if you can get your mix right and get your exposures correct, and then you can generate a really good income in retirement, you can reduce the demand on your capital, and I find that gives people a lot of peace of mind when they go to turn the income tap off and say, right, this is what we're going to live on from now on, and we'll get some income from the portfolio, we'll get some growth from the portfolio, and that total return will protect the longevity of their holdings well into their retirement and well past what they need from an annual basis over the ages of sort of 75 to 80.
0: Well, Luke, it's time to ask where can listeners get more information?
1: Yeah, office number 62604749. Uh, it's envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet. That's Envision with an E. We've got the podcast, the strategy stacker, Luke Talks Money. That's on iTunes and Spotify. You can go to Envision Financial Canberra and subscribe to the YouTube channel where we've got all of the shows. You can just watch them on your phone. There's nothing to read. We've got the handle, the strategy stacker on the Tiki tocker and all of these types of asset allocation considerations are in Smart Money Strategy, your ultimate guide to financial planning available in all good bookstores, Amazon and Booktopia.
0: And a few of the bad ones as well. Uh, Luke True. Smith, <laughs> thanks for coming in. We'll catch up with you again next Friday. See you next Friday. Luke Smith from Envision Financial back with us again at the same time next Friday on 2 C.